Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Mike Pratt's here, and today I'm joined by my good friend Jacob Avila. Jacob, what's up today? Oh, you know, just doing some ultrasound gelling. Um, we're going to talk about an ultrasound uh, article, uh, weirdly, um, about renal colic, and I'm super excited about this one, as I usually am. Yes, me too. The title of this article is Usefulness of Protocolized Point-of-Care Ultrasonography for Patients with Acute Renal Colic Who Visited the Emergency Department, a randomized control trial published in Medicina, October 2019. I think we've talked about some other articles in Medicina. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's a great way to say medicine in another, another tongue, I guess. Now, the reason I was pumped about this is because ultrasound for renal colic is been a big deal and you know there was that groundbreaking new england journal article several years ago now that kind of showed it's a good thing to have in your protocol for working this up not everybody needs a cat scan but what i have always struggled with jacob is that article and others never really put it into a protocol for what you do when you find certain amounts of hydro. So when do you get that CAT scan? When do you need a CT? And for a lot of people, I think there's a lot of variety in that. So I was hoping that this article would end that and they figured out if they could use a protocol to help some patient-centered outcomes with a good study design. That's when I looked at the title. I was like, that's what I'm expecting from this article. And it didn't quite deliver up to my expectations, but I still think this is useful evidence that hopefully we can use in our clinical practice. So, Jacob, can you walk us through the study and what they did? Yeah, definitely. So this was a single-centered study that was done in South Korea. And what they did there is they had patients that had a suspicion for renal colic, so that renal colic type pain, and they randomized them to a, quote, conventional group or an ultrasound group, depending on which day they presented. So even days was one group, odd days was another group. And they did it over the course of five months. Now, with a conventional group, what they did is they got an HMP, and they didn't do a point-of-care ultrasound. So after the HMP, they got their, I guess, regular stuff, which is a CBC. They said electrolytes, so I'm assuming like a BMP or a CMP then a UA, and then when they got those results back, then they decided if they wanted to get a CT scan with or without contrast with that data available to them. Now, what they did differently with the ultrasound group is with the ultrasound group, they did an HMP, then did the ultrasound. If they found hydro, they only got a urinalysis and a creatinine, and then got a non-contrasted CT scan. So everybody that had hydro got a CT scan. And what was good about that is that they didn't have to order like all of the stuff. So they didn't get a CBC, they didn't get a full CMP, they didn't get anything else. It's basically just creatinine and UA and then just went that way. And as far as their gold standard, they had a 30-day follow-up used for both groups. And it seems like they had fairly good uh, follow-up uh, with those groups. So a decent gold standard. Now, their primary outcomes were going to be the ED length of stay, 
the rate of complications in both groups, and they actually looked at cost as well. Now, they did evaluate the accuracy, but that wasn't one of their like, main outcomes, and we'll talk a little bit about exactly why that was. They just wanted to basically compare the two groups. And just to discuss the scan that they were doing, it's pretty simple renal protocol. They looked at both kidneys, so checking bilaterally, which we think is important to look for asymmetry. And they looked both in short and long axis. And bonus, they used color Doppler, which we advocate if you're ever suspicious for hydro, you better put some color on there. Make sure that's just that's not just a renal vessel you're visualizing. Now, I usually do that, to be honest, just when I like I'm thinking it might be mild hydro, because if it's like severe hydro or even moderate hydro, like blood vessels, I've never seen a blood vessel get that big. Um, but yeah, color flow is probably a good idea. I just think it's most helpful in the mild hydronephrosis cases. I totally agree with that. And it's good that it seems like they did a reasonable protocol here that doesn't take a lot of time. So let's go through the results. They ended up having 218 patients with suspected renal colic. Then they excluded a bunch of them because they couldn't get consent or they already had a diagnosis of a recent urinary stone. There was a couple that they didn't match to the right group and some other odd things, but they ended up with only 147 patients. Can we talk about some of those like odd things? Like they were a couple of these five patients got interventional procedures in the ED apparently. So they got stents or shockwave therapy in the ED. Do you get that in your ED? Like putting a stent in and doing shockwave therapy in the ED? Not usually. Sometimes we, when we place patients in observation, they will get a procedure and then we would be able to send them home afterwards, but not generally in the ED stay. I wonder if that's what they meant. It was just interesting. A little side note. Their power analysis, based on the assumptions that they made, calculated they needed 152 patients. And they ended up, after all these exclusions, having 147. So keep that in mind. Now, these patients, there were 74 in the standard group, 73 in the ultrasound group. 87.1% of this population did have a stone in a ureter. The, these were majority male patients in their late 40s to mid-50s, and there was no significant differences between the two groups. So, their primary outcome, ED length of stay. Conventional group, 234 minutes. Ultrasound group, 172 minutes. So that is a 62-minute difference, just over an hour, 26.5% reduction. So basically it was four hours versus three hours. They did do a subgroup analysis of the patients that ultimately had a ureter stone, and it saved even slightly more time, so 74-minute difference there. Let's talk about some of these secondary outcomes. Cost, conventional group cost was about 319 U.S. dollars, versus ultrasound group $259. So you save 60 bucks. So that's a good marketing slogan right there. Save 60 minutes, save 60 bucks. I love it. That's uh that's my bumper sticker. I'm actually uh I'm working on it right now um online. I'll send you a couple of copies and you can maybe put it on your on your bumpers. Um okay. We have a new conflict of interest we're going to have to discuss our new company <laughs> called 6060. It's a new 6060 sign. It's the new 6060. This is an interesting thing when they broke down the timing. The time from the CT to the ED discharge was not different between groups. So we'll talk about that later in our limitations. There was no significant difference in 30-day complications 
or missed diagnoses between the groups. They both had zero missed diagnoses. That's pretty good. And then, like you said, Jacob, they did report the test characteristics for their point-of-care ultrasound for hydronephrosis compared to CT, and it ended up having a sensitivity of 72%, specificity 83%. So not that great. But I think their main goal was evaluating this protocol to see if that helped people. So what do you think, Jacob? Well, I think that that um, sensitivity of 72%, 83% specificity is actually fairly consistent with some of the other studies out there. Uh, additionally, like CT scan itself isn't 100% accurate. So, I mean, don't get discouraged by these numbers. They're numbers that are fairly consistent. And you're basing this off of your pretest probability, I would say, like using this um, in practice. Yeah, I'm very excited about the study. And like you mentioned... I was, when I read the title, I got excited because this is kind of like how I've been trying to use my ultrasound and suspected renal colic. But my question is, did they really need to CT scan everybody? I mean, that uh, New England Journal article um, actually had patients that got the ultrasound and didn't get a CAT scan. They had similar outcomes. And I guess that's my only critique is that if they found mild hydro, did those patients actually need that non-con CT? I'm with you 100% there. I think that mild hydronephrosis, although sometimes we think it's more predictive than it actually is because you can still have mild hydro and have an alternate diagnosis. But I think that if you have mild hydro, you have a pretty high pretest probability of thinking this is renal colic, then you probably don't need to get that CT imaging. But you know, it's a case by case situation. I, I don't think like what you're saying, every single person that has suspected renal colic needs a CT at the door. That seems a little excessive. So I agree with you. This is not my favorite algorithm. How do you do renal colic where you work? Well, suspected renal colic, I always tell my learners that there's two real questions. One, how confident are you that that is the diagnosis? Like how open is your differential at this point? And then secondly, how likely do you think it is that this person's going to need an intervention if they do have renal colic? So, because in my mind, those are the main reasons why you'd need to get a CT. If you're thinking there's other things on the table, in which case you might as well just get a contrasted study. And do you think that this patient is going to need some sort of intervention for their impacted stone, in which case it can be helpful for operative planning for urology? I think the other thing that I would add to that plan is if you have a, you know, I don't know, like a 35, 40 year old individual has multiple kidney stones, has hematuria and says, this feels like my kidney stone pain. You see mild hydro. They've had pain for like a day. That patient, I would feel very comfortable not getting that CAT scan because the by far the most likely thing is that that patient has another kidney stone. Now, if I have a, let's say 85 year old male smoker, high blood pressure, diabetes, and he has kidney stone pain and he has no history of kidney stones, I'm for sure getting that CAT scan because the differential diagnosis on the second individual is so broad. And if I miss a triple A or a dissection or um, splenic artery rupture or something like that, something crazy, um, I'm much more likely to do in that patient versus the patient without any significant risk factors with a history of kidney stones. Because you get a kidney stone, you're very likely to get that second kidney stone. What you're saying actually reminds me of a great article that was published in the Annals of Emergency Medicine recently by Chris Moore and some of his colleagues. It was a multidisciplinary study, so they involved people from radiology and urology, and they tried to decide what was the appropriate imaging for various cases, and they varied the age, they varied the 
pretest probability, they varied the comorbidities and the history of renal colic. So really interesting study, and we can link to that in the notes. Now, my big beef with this study is that their whole point was that this saves time. But when you look at the time breakdown, they saved their time because the patients got a CT faster, essentially, right? Most of these patients ended up getting a CT. So what that tells me is that their protocol saved them time because performing an ultrasound takes about one hour less than waiting for the labs to come back because their main savings was just not getting as many labs. So I'm not sure that that is as exciting as it sounded at first glance, that their protocol just expedited everyone, pushing them through the scanner, don't need to wait for labs, and that's how they saved their their main time. And then I, I agree with you that this protocol may be not the protocol that everybody wants to use. Is this going to change anything you do, Jacob? Um, I am, ex- like I said, I'm very interested in the uh, ideas behind this study, but it's not really going to change anything that I do personally because getting a CAT scan on everybody with suspected renal colic is, is not how I practice. There you go. Well, let me just summarize this study. This was a study of 147 patients in Korea, prospectively collected, randomized to get either an ultrasound protocol or a traditional workup protocol. And what they found was it does save you about one hour of time, and it possibly could save them $60 in charges. So our take-home points are that an ultrasound protocol, even that includes a CT, can save time and cost for patients with suspected renal colic. Secondly, the time savings in this study appears to stem from decreasing the time to a non-contrast CT imaging. So more research needs to be done using protocols that use ultrasound to avoid CT imaging when appropriate, and that's what I'd like to see. In any case, we thank the authors. This was a really interesting article that adds to our knowledge for renal ultrasound. And thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more at ultrasoundjail.org. Check us out on Facebook or talk to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And until then, we will talk to you later. More pressure. More gel. More pressure. More gel. More podcast. Hey, Mike. Yes, sir. What do you call labs of the abdomen uh labdomens that is correct <laughs>